0: This is the ESPN Aussie Hoops Hour, Kane Pittman alongside Olga Nulich. We've got NBL, we've got NBA, and we might even have a little bit of boomers chat at the back end of this podcast, Brian Gordon and a few key members from Basketball Australia who have been in the US over the last week and a half, getting some FaceTime with all the boomers in the NBA. So we might talk about that in just a little bit. And Alks, it's always a pleasure to see you and I did kind of pre warn you that I was going to throw this question to you right off the top, but we've got through another NBL week where if you are someone who does tipping, I don't know if they do that for NBL, (laughs) but you're probably having an absolute disastrous season because I can't figure out what's going to happen next. And the question I've got for you, do you think that the NBL is so even this year because of the high quality bunch of teams we've got pushing for the playing tournament? Or do you just think that we've got a whole bunch of teams that at the moment are so inconsistent, can't stay healthy, and ultimately for us, as we work through it, can't be trusted?
1: So it's weird. You have two ends of a spectrum, and then you have a whole bunch of stuff going on in the middle. So you have Melbourne, who is an outlier great team. Yes, They are obviously the best team in the league right now. The numbers say it, the eye test says it. They are running away with that number one seed. And then you have Adelaide on the other end of the spectrum. They are not very good. The numbers say it, the eye test says it. So you have two ends of the spectrum here, and then you have a group of teams in the middle. And when I look at them, there are some teams in there with, I think, a really high ceiling, with a lot of talent. But I don't have much trust in any of them. Yes, yes. Because there, oh, there seems to be a red flag or two with a bunch of them. There seem to be holes in it. There's, none of them have really completely figured out what they do. The closest is maybe Tasmania as far as figuring out what, what, what they are. Um, but I don't think their ceiling is high as some of the other teams. And so they're going to just lose some gains based on talent and, and based on the other teams, figuring stuff out. And so I, I do think there are tiers, right. And I I did, did this, this story last year. I'm going to do it again this week. I'm going to tier the NBL teams and uh-huh. maybe we can revisit that next week. And you can critique me on those, but I think there are tiers, but there is just so obviously like a middle pack. And I honestly feel like when it comes to uh, actual gameplay, where if, you, if you're if you trying to tip a team, it honestly goes from two to nine in the sense that Sydney has New Zealand next. Sydney is the second seed. New Zealand's the ninth seed. New Zealand can win that game. And it's it wouldn't completely surprise me. That's where we are right now. And it's not because... These, all these teams are amazing. I think it's because all these teams in the middle are just pretty fallible.
0: And I think that those teams, not to make this overly critical, like, oh, we're slamming all these teams, because honestly, regardless of what do it. you're Do you're too
1: nice. <laughs> you're way too nice all the time. Be, be a bit critical, do it. Well,
0: the, the reality is, as you watch all these teams from that two to nine slot that you mentioned, and I'm glad you mentioned that, so between second and ninth on the standings right now, there's between six and nine losses, those teams. So three games in the loss column between second and ninth. So things can significantly change. Uh, Tasmania, the team that I've been high on all season, we'll get to them in just a little bit. They lost two games. So now they've dropped off. And all of a sudden, Melbourne United at 13 and three have a clear gap. Now, regardless of whether you think it is because those teams in that pack are average right now and significantly below Melbourne, Melbourne where they are right now, which I think is ultimately the case, It does make it entertaining because you don't know what you're tuning in to see across these games. But I was also just trying to figure out, okay, have any of those teams in that pack had any consistency with lineups, with personnel that they've been able to play? The interesting thing is, if you go to uh, Spatial Jam, uh, a website that uh, everyone knows that uh, I love very much, (laughs) there is only a handful of teams that have actually had five-man units that have played Uh, over 100 possessions together this season. And funnily enough, Melbourne United, the team that's 13-3, and is 10th on the list for the most used five-man lineup this season. And that was, of course, with Shea Illy, uh, Matthew Delavidova, Ariel Hukporti. So they've actually changed over now, uh, perhaps what their best lineup is regardless. But I do think when we look at player personnel, the fact there has been a lot of injuries, there's been teams that have had coaching changes, there's been import swaps, I think that that has contributed to it because I think a common theme with a lot of these teams through the mid-pack, none of them seem settled. And the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, uh, I just, it it is so frustrating to try and figure out what this team is and what the ceiling of this team can be because they are a perfect encapsulation of this uh, not being settled. They actually had a dominant net rating with the five players that were in their starting lineup. Now, this included... Cummins this also included Craig Muller. those two guys are gone now Mitch Creek is injured he might miss a, a few games here so the Phoenix are a team as we've seen in the past they haven't been able to have any consistency through availability which has meant that they are on this roller coaster right now but regardless to get smacked like that by Melbourne again it puts any dent in any confidence you had that this was a team that could actually make a little bit of noise moving towards the play
1: yeah, and and the thing with the Phoenix and I'm glad we we can focus in on them um the issue that I had coming in was I think the issue that a lot of us had over the past few seasons which is there are two things one is the depth I really don't fix I, I really don't think they fixed their depth issues. I, I don't think they they loaded up in the areas they needed to and the second one to me was their shooting depth uh, I don't think they they really had either of those two things um and so they're not a team that can really hack it when someone gets injured you, know, you can see other teams someone gets injured and there is a next man up mentality and they can they can go through those periods So, melbourne phoenix over the past few seasons really haven't been able to get through those periods um the them losing this week they lost both their games and it was by a combined 56 points um that is not great granted one was a throwdown, and melbourne united is playing really good basketball the other one was at home in tarragon to the Illawaral Hall Hawks, that was a twenty-eight point loss, and that's just a loss you can't have, no matter your injury situation. And I know it 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 was a really it was a really important player in Mitch Creek, your most important player. But I just I just don't think they're built to get through these sorts of moments. Um, and it's it's to the point where I, I don't I don't think they guard well enough. Uh, I don't think they guard well enough at the, the best of times. But then it's also getting points on the board. I don't think they can do that. And it's to the point where Kane, let me let me read you the Please. schedule of the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix and the games that they have coming up. Right, so they just lost this. They had a two game round. They lost both of those. Uh, they have they go to Cairns, then they go to Tasmania, then they go to Brisbane, and then they go to Illawarra, and then they go to Perth. And so they have a five game road trip. Obviously, it's not. All on the road, but it's it's five games in a row on the road, and then they come home and play Adelaide. So so that's one that I think they are favoured to win. But Kane, out of all those games in Cairns, in Tassie, in Brisbane, in in Wollongong, and in Perth, would you pick East Melbourne Phoenix as the favourite to win any of those games? Which one would they be tipped to win?
0: Well, if they don't have. Mitch Creek, none of them. And I, I will just say that. I mean, we talk about the injuries they've had, no question. Over the years, it's been a, a source of frustration for Simon Mitchell's teams, now Mike Kelly. But uh, every yeah. team probably has one guy that will completely destroy them if he's not out on the floor. And it is Mitch Creek for the Phoenix. I know Alan Williams has spoken about him a lot this season. But it's because of all the reasons you mentioned. You said that the the shooting depth might be a problem. Uh, Their three-point rates, a percentage of field goal attempts of the threes right now is 31%. The league average is 38. They are the lowest frequency three-point shooting team in the league. So they don't have those types of guys. But the one guy that is letting it fly is Mitch Creek, and he has shot the ball uh, well throughout the season. So I just don't think that they can – I don't know if they can beat anyone if he's not playing on the floor. He's been so resilient and being able to be uh, uh, so consistent Uh, over the years so that's going to be a a major blow hopefully he's not out for too long there but yeah this is a really tough uh, a really tough spot to be in and we mentioned it on the jump on ESPN last Thursday night he catches every Thursday night on the jump and my bold prediction we were asked to make a bold prediction and my bold prediction was that Mitch Creek can win the MVP and I got a little bit of pushback from the fellas because they were like well yeah that's so bold one of the best players in the league could win the MVP and I said no 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 I hear you but the reason why I think this is a bold prediction is because we can't trust the Phoenix that they're going to win enough games to be a top two team or a top three team, which is ultimately where they need to be for Mitch Creek to win the MVP. Now now he's hurt, um, but I'm with you. I, I still think this Phoenix team with their best players on the floor, we mentioned it last week, they've crunched the rotation down. Those starters are going to play 30 plus minutes. Abdul Nader, we do think he's going to give something to this team. He only played one game so far. So I still think that they're going to make the play in. Um, but yeah. Once again, I'm glad I'm not doing tipping because you you can't trust them and you can't pick them in any of those matchups you
1: mentioned. Yeah, I'm I'm not even sure that they're going to make the plane. When I yep. look at some of the other teams that are really picking up toward the end of this season, I, I'm and I'm looking at an Illawarra who have a few games in their pocket, and I don't I don't know if they're going to have enough to go all the way. I want to see them play some real teams before we make those sorts of judgments. But they're a team that's absolutely trending in the right direction. South Melbourne are trending in the wrong direction. New Zealand is about to get a bunch of their guys back, and they look to be trending in the right direction too. So there are a lot of these teams all fighting for that same spot, or fighting for that sort of four, five, six spot in the plan. And I, I just I, I wonder if South the South Melbourne Phoenix is about to fall into too big of a hole uh, for for them to overcome here. And yeah, Ab- Ab- Abdul Nader was helpful in their last game in stretches right he he played with a lot of force he tried to get on the rim he tried to score the ball and they're going to need that from him um i just i still just don't i just don't know if, if the depth is there I, I i really don't like the big depth either i, I don't know they're, they're still trying to figure out how they work when al williams isn't on the floor um they're they he's in foul trouble sometime well, most of the time and they're still figuring out like are we playing reese Vega at the fight do we do we want core they had some trouble playing Gorjok in the Throwdown. They 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 didn't like him out there with that matchup. And so, I I don't know. I think they just have a they still have so many questions to answer at this point in the season when they're trending downwards and they're dealing with some tough circumstances as well, uh, stuff that's out of their control. And so it just feels like it's just all crumbling once again. And that is just it's just the most phoenix thing that can happen. Unfortunately,
0: I know for a fact, Algin, that you want to get to Illawarra. But I'm gonna ask you to just <laughs> to just park it until next week. So we wrote about it in headline or storyline this week. You are really just making the push that the
1: Hawks can make the play in tournament. And I I'm I all like in, it. baby. I'm all in. I'm I all, like in. No, I'm like, all look, in I like it. I like it. Look I appreciate look, I get it. I'm not gonna jump the gun. They have looked good though. Yes. They have very guarded good. very well. Yep. And I liked I liked the roster or at the very least like the, the core of the roster going into the season. There are bits and pieces I don't like. I don't think they have point guard creation. I don't think they have, that, they have enough of that outside of Justin Robinson. If he can continue to trend upwards, great. There there are still some issues, but what I've seen so far of what this new look Illaura Hawks looks like, I mean they're one of they're one of the informed teams in the in the competition right now, and I think that's that's uncontroversial.
0: No, it's, it's the facts. I, I The reason why I want to just hold it, though, is because I mentioned this last week. I think the schedule has been... And when you're talking about a team that's only won a couple of games, I don't think it's fair to say the schedule's been easy. But it's been on the easier side of things based on the NBL yes. teams this year. So they had the Breakers, who were heavily depleted. had the Bullets. The Phoenix without Mitch Creek, you'll take that every day of the week. But the defense stuff is absolutely real. In the games since Tatum has taken over they're conceding 19 fewer points per 100 possessions. Now, it's only a handful of games, so it's a small sample. But that is a a massive turnaround on the defensive end. Again, I don't think that they've really played any of the major threats offensively, and that's why I want to wait, because they've got Tasmania and they've got Sydney. So the next time that we catch up, they would have played the number two and number three offense in the league. Let's see how the defense holds up. And I think that we're going to get a true indication of where this Illawarra Hawks team is, and I mentioned the difficult stretch that they got coming up, but they've already taken care of the Phoenix. And again, they got a little bit of luck there, but they took care of the Phoenix. So if they can maybe split these two games, yeah, well, if they win both, it's it's on. They are, they are yeah. absolutely a chance. But if they can split these games, a big Christmas Day game, I think there'll be some fire in that against the Sydney Kings. You might be there. I think you might uh, head north and see if you can get to the... Paul uh, smith to maybe Probably. get you some little courtside tickets or something i will see what happens but <laughs> i think that this is going to be the test that we need to see from the new new look hawks
1: yeah i i, I agree um and again i don't want to complete I, I agree i don't want to completely jump the gun and those are two really important games because it's also the, the important thing as well is they have some games in their pocket um so again splitting if they split that that christmas weekend then I agree, they're absolutely on. Um, I'm going to shift it to something else for you because I'm looking at that that game. The first game is is Illawarra-Tasmania. And if we're talking about wanting to see what a team looks like when they play real competition before making grand judgments about them, I think this was like a super interesting weekend for Tasmania. Is it is. Because they went into Perth, lost to Perth, basically at the buzzer. Um, and then they hosted Sydney... And Sydney played with a level of urgency that we hadn't seen the season and Sydney got the win over them. And so these are the teams that they're competing with for that second seed. Um, and this was a chance for them to really announce themselves. When I, I speak about that tier story, I was ready to have Melbourne as a top tier and then Tassie in a tier of their own. Now I'm not sure what to do. Um, it, it seems like, again, they do, ha- like every team from two to nine, there is like a deficiency there that exists. And it can just rear its head at any time. Uh, but have your thoughts changed at all on the Tasmania Jack Jumpers based on this weekend losing to two of the teams that is right around their range?
0: Well, the one thing that we do like, the both of us on social media, when you just get a little bit of feedback uh, from something that you may or may not have said. Now, I did get a tweet after the Jack Jumpers lost to the Sydney Kings, and I was sitting there and I was like, okay, this is an interesting game. This came off the back of that loss to Perth you mentioned. And I got a tweet from a Twitter user Kane P. Now, by the way, Kane P. We should be—is <laughs> that your burner, bro? We we that... should be sticking together. Kane P. <laughs> should be sticking together. But I do get the sense that uh, this uh, Twitter user—I've had interactions before—is a he's a big NBL fan, which we absolutely love. But he said, "Hey, Kane, any thoughts on the Jack Jumpers this weekend?" I was like, "Okay."
1: Any thoughts? That's so passive aggressive. Any I thoughts, like it, though. Sir?
0: And I like it. So, Kano <laughs> Nothing has changed. <laughs> Nothing has changed, but I did Nothing just watch. Thingy. So I did just watch the fourth quarter again against the Perth Wildcats because I think that uh, within a game, ultimately, if you lose a game by one point, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think a lot of the times, if you've got a strong opinion about something, you're going to change it for better or worse off a one point loss. I agree. That fourth quarter was interesting though because I think a few things happened. For Tassie they were leading this game 81 to 72 with 544 to play and Perth end up going on a 17 eight run Bryce Cotton scores 10 of those now that run for Bryce Cotton started on a foul that Scott Roth uh, challenged it was a three-point foul and look it was it was very very uh, uh, minimal contact we'll just say that I don't know yep. whether it was a three-point foul but Bryce gets the benefit of the doubt. We see this a lot. That was on Milton Doyle. Now, that was interesting. He gets, he knocks down the three free throws. That's one thing. The thing that really changed on two possessions later was Bryce Cotton had the ball. Milton Doyle kind of reached and gave away a silly foul. So that one was on Milton Doyle. But then that all of a sudden was his fourth foul, which meant that they didn't want him guarding Bryce Cotton down the stretch because they needed his offense on the floor. It meant that Jordan Crawford was the guy that was defending Bryce Cotton. And I thought he did it. I thought he did a fine job on that step-back three that Bryce hit. But Bryce isn't worried about any defenders, let alone Jordan Crawford, because he just doesn't have the size. So I thought that there was a few things that didn't go the way the jack jumpers down the stretch that changed the way they were defending. If there was one thing that I I probably would have been disappointed in was the final free throws for Bryce Cotton. He ends up uh, knocking them both down. The Perth Wildcats take a one-point lead in this game. But the jack jumpers immediately threw... A double at Bryce to get the ball out of his hands and the ball went to Webster on the left wing and then they just they they, they just went after Webster I think if your whole yeah. sole purpose is to get the ball out of Bryce Cotton's hands then don't let him get the shoot. ball straight back and get downhill just let Webster shoot yeah. the three and live with it so I, I think there was a few things that if you're the jack jumpers you'd look back and say okay they were actually pretty easy fixes hey the other thing that was crazy about this game was the offensive rebounds oh, how many times have we spoken about the Perth Wildcats not rebounding and in the last five minutes of this game, they got second chances, third chances. So I thought it was a pretty scrappy game from the Jack Jumpers overall. I just felt like a lot of things went wrong that were honestly pretty correctable. So I don't think it was an earth shattering loss.
1: Yeah. And the, the Wildcats have had some of these situations of late like where they've got some key offensive rebounds. This is something that's sort of developed their identity over the second half of this season so far. Um And it's because Jesse Wagstaff is playing more basketball, Hiram Harris is playing more, uh Christian Doolittle is being given a bigger role. So this is something that's part of what they do. I agree with you that the stuff that... Tazzy lost this game. Uh Milton Doyle was coming off uh, some time abroad, yeah. being back in America with, with uh, uh, a, a family issue. And then he came back and he clearly wasn't himself. He was missing yeah, yeah. shots. He he was bricking shots. Uh, I thought Jack McVay missed a lot of looks that he would he generally would make, um, and so I and then it was Bryce Cotton sort of hitting really tough shots, and so everything sort of fell in Perth's favor to that point. But let me ask you, I got some questions then. Yes, who do, who do you trust? I just I wrote some questions down while you were talking. Uh, who do you trust more, Tazzy or Perth? I say trust in like a five-game series.
0: Well. I think I think there are still questions, and again, we wrote about it in Headline or Storyline. I think there's question marks for the Tassie Jack Jumpers when you talk about the ceiling, of, about the big men. Uh, Will Magnet, obviously, a big part of that. Hey, where does he yeah. fit with Marcus Lee, and where is the rotation there? Because all of a sudden, with the Wildcats, I do think this is a question that they're asking. You mentioned the rebounding, but I do think that they are presenting problems at the four and the five now. They've got uh, more stability than they had earlier in the season. Uh, and they defend it a little bit, so I, I think that for the Jack Jumpers, there are concerns there. Um, and ultimately, maybe I'm I'm wrong for this, and I, I I would pick the Jack Jumpers to win this series because again, I do think in in postseason basketball, I think the defense will hold up. I think the game will slow down a little bit, um, but Bryce Cotton is is terrifying right now. And so yes, I thought the Jack Jumpers made mistakes down the stretch, but they also made mistakes because Bryce. Made them make mistakes, and he's still going to be drawing those fouls in a five game series, particularly in Perth, where it's a, a crazy atmosphere. So, I, I would, if it was a five game series, I would still pick Tasmania. But, uh, Perth are the longer this stretch goes on here since they made those changes to the rotation, they're looking more legit than I mean, it's it's one of the more surprising turnarounds of the season for me. Some of the conversations we were having about yeah. the Wildcats 10 games in, and I, 10 games isn't much into the season, they looked like an absolute disaster. So they deserve yep. a lot of credit for the way that they've been able to turn around with the personnel and some of the coaching changes they've made.
1: Yeah, you're sitting oh so comfortably on that fence. Um, no, I picked but, the Jackies. Uh, yeah. Okay, there we go. I, I also agree. I think Tazzy's is more uh, trustworthy there. Um, I'm sort of zoning in on that. The team's just under Melbourne right now. Yeah. Um, I think I know the answer to this one. Who has a higher ceiling, uh, tazzy or Sydney? And then I have a follow-up sydney and when we spoke about sydney
0: last week and we said well they don't have xavier cooks we discussed the coaching changes uh when we were talking about the defensive stuff and we've discussed jalen galloway a lot this season uh, but we probably should have or i should have because it's my opinion i should have been more strong with the idea that he's actually their best defender And he's their most versatile guy. And then, yes, he can do the offensive stuff like he did against Tasmania. He was absolutely unbelievable. This was Sydney Kings team that was clearly steaming coming into this game a little bit because for the first time, really, in three years, all of a sudden, people like Asper on the podcast saying, hey, this team's looking really, really shaky. So it was the first time they've kind of been in that situation. But Jalen Galloway, he kind of typifies a bunch of guys why we think the ceiling is still higher for the Sydney Kings. And yes, I should have said it last week. He's their best
1: defender. Uh, do do you think they do you think they get there? That's 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 my sort of follow up to it. Is there reason to believe that they'll get to their ceiling?
0: Well, I think it ties into the conversation we've had through this podcast that no one else is. Uh, again, I'm super high in Tassie. Clearly, I think that the top three teams in the hey. league are Sydney, Tassie, Melbourne. Melbourne by far and away the best right now. Yeah. But I'm not seeing any other teams below that that is making me feel like i need to change my opinion. Now, the Kings defensively haven't been great this season. We've discussed that. But I want to talk I'm, about
1: that by the way.
0: What's yeah, I mean, but I I'm, I'm waiting for one of these other teams to to step up and make me change my mind, but I haven't yet. I mean, are you are you still in the same boat? You're about to do your tears. You've been teasing it the whole way through, but I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just the trustworthiness because of the the two titles they've won and the familiar faces. I'm not sure, but I still just look at The guys they have in that that lineup. And if it gets to a fourth quarter against almost any team, I'm gonna say, yeah, the Kings should win this game.
1: Yeah. Um, I want to talk a few things about Sydney. Uh so firstly, we'll touch on Jalen Galloway. He is so good. Mm -hmm. Uh we, we speak about him defensively as a point of attack guy, as just like a long, active athletic guy who helps. He is so impactful for that team and it was maybe because we only got a little bit of a sample size. Um, I think toward the end of the grand final and then the start of this season that we really didn't put enough stock into the fact that he wasn't that he got injured and he wasn't part of that lineup. And he was a big reason for their drop off. I think he brings so much to that team. Um, and then offensively, again, this evolution is crazy. He is unguardable. You you cannot stay in front of him. I don't know if there's anyone in the league who can stay in front of Jalen Galloway's first step. And then once he gets ahead of steam, once he gets by you, all he does is get to feeding the paint, rise up, and he's at the rim, and he just places it in. He's yeah. playing unbelievable basketball. I think his skill set is special in this league. I don't think there's anyone who plays that style of basketball. So that's one thing. Um, I really I thought the Kings' small ball lineup to end the Tazzy game was really interesting. Uh, it's something that I want to see them go to more because because Scott Roth didn't know how to handle it. Uh, so it was a lineup that was like Jalen Adams, uh, Jalen Galloway, Denzel Valentine, Tui, and DJ Hogue. That, that, that team plays five out. It was Alex Tui as the five man. He got two straight buckets on a roll. Um, Scott Roth tried to counter it with a small ball lineup of his own, and that was just not – it just wasn't close to working. I don't think anyone in the league, outside of maybe Melbourne, but even then I'm not sure, can compete with a, a Sydney small ball lineup. I'd like to see them go to that more and, and figure out – if anyone can guard it and then that's when they can go to the sort of like switch everything lineups maybe that's what they do against the Perth when you have Bryce Cotton out there and we're okay with switching everyone uh, switching one through five the other interesting thing and I don't want to pat my own back too much but do you remember what I said do you remember what I said last week what the Sydney Kings should just go lean into defensively do you remember what I said or do you not?
0: No, well, we were talking about uh, not switching so much, just leaving the big guys at home, right?
1: Yeah, we're, we're talking about how Chase Buford was just like a bulk drops defense guy. Yeah. And that largely worked. And you have similar personnel, with are Hunter and Jonah Bolden. Just go do that. And I'm not saying I caused this. Yeah. However. Sounds like. They, it. they basically switch one through four, but any on-ball that involved the big it was drops defense for the entire game and it was largely effective. They forced some tough shots for the Jack jumpers. They held them to a season low in offensive rating in that game. And it, it obviously worked because they have the personnel to do that. And so I found it interesting that that's what they lent into. They went away from the switch everything, no matter what they went away from, uh, we're in this two, three zone and we're just going to play that to hell. They played a drops coverage. They played with, more urgency and more competitiveness like Mahmoud Abdel Fattah wanted and that's something that was really effective for them so it wouldn't surprise me if if that's boss, if that's that continues to be successful and I think it could be because I think that's sustainable it's a sustainable way to play defense it wouldn't surprise me if they just go back to doing that which is something that's been successful for them over the past few seasons because they did it under Weaver, they did it under Chase Buford and if they can excel at doing it under Abdel Fattah then, man, that, that's a really good step toward fixing what the Sydney Kings' issues were, which were largely defensive.
0: Yeah, I think you're asking for trouble. If you are putting guys out of position, which they are, if you've got uh, traditional fives and putting them on the perimeter and asking them to uh, defend guards, I just think it's really challenging. There aren't too many guys that can do that. People always throw around this, while well, they can guard one through five. Most of the time, it's wrong. <laughs> there isn't that many guys that can actually do that unless you are uh, maybe going with a super small lineup like a, like a Luke Travers or whoever it is at the five. That's a little bit different, but that's because the guy that's playing the five is not traditionally in that position anyway. So I, I just think one through five gets thrown around uh, a lot. But Jalen Galloway, I know Liam Santa Maria on the broadcast was talking about you know, possible 10 days and stuff uh, moving towards the back end of the NBA season. I, I've had people ask me about him here. And it's interesting because if you... Uh, in the US, that is. Because if you had have brought up that possibility even six months ago or at the back end of last season, he was clearly talented and he clearly looked like he was a guy that was going to break into the Sydney Kings rotation. But I think uh, that elevation to this now genuine NBA intrigue is fascinating and it's also really fun to see. Uh, and he has been a guy that sort of minimal taste uh, in the green and gold. And who knows? I, the, I don't think he can have too many guys uh, with that skill set, Alex.
1: Yeah, uh, there were whispers at the very start of the season that there are enough teams out there who have already been sort of sort of pricking Jalen Galloway as far as, hey, this might be a 10-day option for us at the end of the season. But he also uh, so had something play. that Exactly, right? And, and he had a really good start to the season, so everyone sort of perked up a bit, and then he got injured. And then we just forgot, everyone just forgot about him, right? There's so much happening in the NBL, you just forget about guys who are sitting. Um, and so it, it's... This is no surprise. This is this is talks that have been happening all season long. And when you speak about the Boomers, I wrote about this, I want to say a month or two ago, that Jalen Galloway is someone that Brian Gordon is a fan of. He's a fan of the way the Sydney Kings play basketball, and he's a fan of Jalen Galloway as someone who, not is not just a sleeper to be in the squad. Uh, I think we speak about Jonah Bolden in that sort of vein, but he's a sleeper to be in the team. That 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 skill set is something that. I think everyone in that Boomer's coaching staff feels could complement what they do, whether he's ready to compete at that level is that other story. But I mean, if he's doing this in the NBL, which is a really good league, and if NBA teams think that he's good enough to to get a 10-day and and make the jump over there, then it, it, it warrants the interest and the excitement that I think Boomer's people have in Jalen Galloway. And so I imagine that happens sooner than later. And based on the conversations that we've had, it wouldn't surprise me if he's in the mix for Paris.
0: And one of the guys that, and we can transition to the Boomers now, one of the guys that Gordon has been very open about that he wants in the Paris squad if all things play out is Ben Simmons. And you know, at least from a defensive point of view, Galloway obviously doesn't have the size, but if things don't work out with Ben Simmons, maybe that's a, another possible avenue for Galloway to get a look in with this team. But if we stick with the Boomers, so Brian Gordon, has been in the U.S. for around 10 to 12 days now. Uh, he's been, he been in 10 cities in 10 days. Is that what he's, he's been getting around? It is ridiculous, this travel schedule of this man. And and quite honestly, it didn't also really make sense. It was like one side of the country, other side of the country, other side of <laughs> the country. But basically, the idea was to get FaceTime with with all of the boomers that were over in the NBA and have a conversation. And part of it is is just the continued relationship building. But the other part of it is continuing to debrief what went down at the World Cup? How the guys are individually feeling now, a few months after uh, that tournament, and get some time there. So he's seen everyone that's over there. I, I think he's due. We're recording this on Tuesday morning in Australia, so I think he's due to catch up with Dyson Daniels today or tomorrow. It will be so that's his last stop, uh, and then and he'll be back to Australia. But he would have he's caught up with everyone. Uh, he did sit down with Ben Simmons. He said that uh, I, I saw Gorge yesterday in Boston, and he did say that some people were surprised that he had to sit down with Ben Simmons, but he still is adamant that Ben is all in, but he is conceding, hey, we need to see him play. And this latest health setback yeah. is significant for what could be uh, down the track.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we knew this. We, we knew Gorge was going to do this, uh, go around, touch base with everyone. Um, and it's interesting, when you speak to people... Among the Boomers' program, there's been a lot of soul searching, figuring out what went wrong, uh, what changes could he made for Paris. Where in the sort of the progression of competing are the Boomers going into an Olympics against the Team USA that will have will likely have a LeBron James, Steph Curry, the, the ultimate super team against, and then you have a, a German team that just won the World Cup, Serbia who probably have Jokic whoever makes it through the Olympic qualifying tournaments. This is going to be a really, really tough tournament that everyone wants to play in. Um, and yeah, the, the Ben Simmons thing is it's really interesting. I I would put it, at, I don't know if I put it at, at unlikely he plays, but it's just, man, I don't know what, I don't know how good this guy is at basketball anymore. I haven't seen him play basketball in forever. Uh, he played a bit to start the season and then this back injury, which wasn't supposed to be serious, has now kept him out for a significant amount of time. Um, and then the other wrinkle in this, the positive wrinkle is the way Dante Exum's been playing Uh, and he has been thrust into the starting lineup for the Dallas Mavericks because Kyrie Irving's been injured and he Kane is just playing out of of his mind these days isn't he
0: so as we record these last five games for Dante Exum 19.4 points, 4.6 assists he's shooting a not bad, 65% from three in that stretch on four threes per game and Not that he needs to prove anything to Brian Gorgon or show him anything at this point in time because he's already a very, very uh, well-respected and trusted member of this Boomers team from his output over the last two major campaigns. Uh, But he did have that breakout 26-point game, seven threes with Gorge in the building. In the building, So timing for these things is is always nice as well. The interesting thing, and this is... It ties into both Exxon, but this is big picture as well because, uh, you know, one of the things... asked Gorge was like look we've discussed the idea of guys not playing enough minutes and guys getting DMPs in the NBA I was like is that concern even more elevated than it might have been three or four months ago and he wasn't giving away too much in that but it's definitely on the mind and it's not only on the mind of the coaching staff and Jason Smith is also over in the US and Matt Griffin was here as well so they went as a trio to catch up with all these players but Uh, They're definitely very aware of the fact that some of the absolute key members of this squad are just not playing a lot of basketball. And, you know, Jock Landau is tied into that right now in Houston. So I think as much as looking ahead to Paris, I think it's also just checking in with the guys and seeing where they're at mentally. uh, There's got to be some frustrations for a lot of these guys that aren't playing. And here's the weird thing about this Dante Exum explosion. It's come at a time where, yes, Kyrie Oving's out of the lineup, but so is Josh Green. And he's got elbow yeah. problems again. He's always got elbow problems. It's going to be a frustrating injury for him. But Dante Exum is a guy that can eat into some Josh Green minutes as well. So once Kyrie comes back, he's going to be playing. You know that. So now yeah. you might have Josh Green, Dante Exum. Exum's had this five game stretch that you know, Josh Green probably, from a scoring perspective, hasn't really had. He's had good scoring games for sure, but Exum now is proving he's trustworthiness defensively he can guard up as well we've seen that so I am curious now when we look at the minutes and we want all these guys to be playing are we now going to have Dante Exum and Josh Green eventually when the Mavericks are healthy eating into each other's minutes as
1: well which is not ideal yeah when we have historically we've seen Dante as a point guard and he's he still does play the point a lot for this team he handles it a bit he gets on the rim uh but where he's been most effective is playing off Luca. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's, if you're the Dallas Mavericks, that's the, that's not the only thing you want. But if you can do that, then you are valuable to this Mavericks team. And so his ability to hit catch-and-shoot threes off Luca, his ability to, to be a cutter and then to be a point-of-attack defender while Luca is on the floor, all of these things uh, bode extremely well for him. Uh, don't bode extremely well for Josh Green, who... I, I, the hope is that like, I imagine that so Dante's been playing bulk minutes, and I don't think the extent of those minutes, minutes continue. Yeah. No. Um, so I imagine Josh Green cuts into a bit of those. Like, I would hope that he cuts into a bit of those Derek Jones Jr. minutes. But I agree. This, there is now this sort of off ball spot that is basically just Dante's and Josh Green's to share or to fight over. Um, where you can spin this in a positive way is. Um, And I said this after uh, the world cup that I think Dante shooting got to a point through his time in Europe. And we we've seen it now to start the NBA season. Uh, I think it's to a point where you can start him in, in this boomers team alongside Giddy and green. And so if that's like your, your, if they, are your perimeter guys, if it's, if it's Giddy green eggs, then you do have two really quality point of attack defenders. I think you can trust Josh green and Dante eggs to make shots and then I don't care what you do at the fourth spot we're got, they go figure that out uh, and then it's again is, and then is it Jock Landau at the five or is it Dua Preet it's like really really good basketball in Portland right now these these are all questions um, it's going to be super interesting to see what Gorgian does because the, the gorge do, the, the sorry the Landau Reith situation is so intriguing now so Dua Preet is more effective of an NBA player than Jock Landell's ever been I think right now granted he's doing it on a team that is not very good and so he's getting the opportunities but he's shooting it really well he's being an effective he's an impactful player out there when it comes to sort of they're not winning games but when he's out there they're playing good basketball so again these there are a lot of questions for good but one thing that i think has maybe firmed is dante Eggerson being slot into the starting lineup for the boomers that seemed like they were but as in this is under the assumption and this is the feel that I have that Patty Mills is benched. Um, because I think you can start with such a big defensive minded lineup with Giddy Green and Eggsum in there. And then Paddy Mills can be a flanter off the bench. That's my feel. Whether they do that, I don't know. Uh, but I think that's the direction that this this program has to turn toward.
0: Just quickly on Landau Wraith, I think there's a there's a freedom that Wraith is Able to play with because of the situation in Poland, they're not expected to win any games, and you know, Jock's no pressure. Yeah, and Jock, and Jock probably well. To be to be fair to to DeWop, he is playing for his NBA life, so there there is some I'm pressure. I'm really, not yeah. I'm not saying <laughs> you you weren't saying that, but it just in terms yeah. of the let it fly, take as many shots as you want. You know, Jock probably just hasn't had that opportunity. But you're absolutely right. If we get to May, in these teams are done and dusted, like we think they probably will be and Dwight Reith has played 20 minutes a night for an entire NBA season and Jock Landau hasn't really played at all it's going to be a decision to make just uh, with the preparation and what guy uh, will get that starting role clearly it's been Jock's for a number of years and I do suspect that he'll probably still get it regardless but um, the fact we're even having that conversation is interesting uh, just quickly on Exxon, and you know this we're going to get into this debate more and more over the next few months so we don't have to do it now the shooters and then you know Patty Mills is different to to anyone else in the team. Now he hasn't played as well. I still think he starts. I still think you need to start him. That's my um opinion there, based on the other guys that'll be in this starting lineup. Dante Exum, three point one million dollars this year, three point one next year. Uh if he keeps playing, that is an absolute bargain, bargain basement deal for the <laughs> Dallas Mavericks. And a little bit of a shame for Dante because the way that he's playing right now, he's uh, clearly, with the pedigree, he had a top five draft pick. He might have been able to earn some cash. But either way, it's good to see him back in the NBA. Any other uh, thoughts before we wrap this up? I do want to ask you about the Christmas Day games before we bid farewell for today's pod. But have I missed anything?
1: Um, i got a bit of boomers reporting. Yeah, oh, here uh, we go. Uh, so I've been told that uh, boomers are in advanced talks to play multiple games in Abu Dhabi ahead of the Paris Olympics these games would take place in the middle of July and the proposed games which i fully expect the boomers to take so i would expect these i expect these games to happen uh, would be against team USA and against Serbia and so the boomers would fly out to Abu Dhabi in the middle of July to play team USA and Serbia they would then go to Europe for a few more exhibition games uh likely in france and then they'd be in paris for the start of the olympics on july 26. um so i fully expect the boomers to be a part of that uh, it's obviously abu dhabi is trying to get their foot in the door with as many sports as they can they hosted the they hosted team usa and a bunch of other teams before the world cup last uh, earlier this year they're trying to do the same thing ahead of the the paris olympics and so Uh, Yeah, expect the Boomers to be on a flight to the United Arab Arab Emirates uh, and playing games against really quality competition, which is something that they didn't have early on in their preparation piece for the World Cup where they stayed in Melbourne and and played South Sudan, Venezuela, um, and Brazil. So yeah, Team USA and, and Serbia. So you have a Team USA team that will more than likely have LeBron, Steph, KD, these guys, and then a Serbian team that came second At the World Cup, but they did that without Nikola Jokic, they did that without Vasily Mitic. so that they these are two of the favourites maybe the top two favourites outside of Germany to to win at all at the Olympics That would be
0: nice preparation for four uh, for sure, only seven months away as well so it's going to roll around uh, pretty damn quickly and Uh, We continue to be pretty curious about the makeup of this Boomer squad. So we'll continue to talk about that over the next few months. There's no question. Uh, Christmas Day. Now, we are about to roll into an NBL schedule, which is absolutely outrageous. There's going to be games right through until New Year's Day. So it's going to be a lot of fun for us. We're going to have uh, too much to talk about next week when we get back together uh, to do the podcast. So Christmas Day. I think quite clearly the pick of the games is Sydney Illawarra. Uh, Tazzy Southeast Melbourne, Phoenix—the other game there. Uh, look, Tazzy need to bounce back, so that game is is really important yeah. for them. And we've already discussed this Phoenix team that's potentially on a on a slide. It doesn't look like Mitch Creek will be there, although uh, I, don't,
1: I don't think he will
0: be. Although I, based on what we know uh, from social media, he'll be in the hyperbaric chamber and the ice bath and the uh, <laughs> whatever else you need to do to get that uh, knee repaired. But uh, Mitch Creek, if he's not there for the Phoenix, you expect Tazzy I should be able to take care of business there. Uh, the other game is interesting. Like I said, it's a big test. Do you give the Hawks a chance?
1: I give them a chance um, because that that series between Sydney and Aurora is always competitive, no matter how good those teams are. Yes. Uh, and so I think it should be particularly competitive because both teams are good. Or at least, at the very least, both teams are playing well these days. So I still think Sydney takes it because uh, I, I think both teams are slowly figuring some stuff out, but I just think Sydney Sydney's talent and their depth and if they can continue to trend positively defensively at home, then I, I imagine that's that's their game to lose, but it's it would be a Satan and win for Iluora. Uh it would be the we, we've seen like a it's, they've taken a turn, this would be like the proper turning point for this team if they win my prediction
0: is multiple texts. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be fun. Who, think...
1: Santa? Like who?
0: Well, the Kings have said that Santa has rehabbed the hamstring and he is in a position to play. But for some reason, I just get a feeling that something is going to go down in the pregame and he's not going to be able to play. that that That's uh, my prediction.
1: Oh, uh, great prediction. Well done. Am I going to have to report on that? Are Let you me going to the game, Olga What's happening? I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I, I haven't I haven't planned my schedule that far ahead. And I say that far ahead, it's it's like six days away. It is uh, six so days I'm away. I'm still figuring my stuff out.
0: And I just realized in uh, some terrible news for me, if we are to podcast at the usual time slot, uh, that means it's about 5 p.m. on Christmas night for me. Are you going to make me work on Christmas, Olgen?
1: Yeah, I don't care. I, I don't care. What do you think I care about? You're <laughs> respectfully, you're away from your family anyway. You it's it's fine. You'll spend Christmas with me, I'll I'll bake like a, a turkey or something, I'll just have it next to me. It will be okay. Okay.
0: I like it. I'm actually going to Bucks next uh, on that day, so I'll I'll catch that game. Punch out some work. You're working and then... anyway. Yeah, working so it's anyway. Fine. I just wanted to complain, you know that.
1: I know you do. Right. I know.
0: Let's wrap up this podcast. It's going to be a massive weekend of NBL. Make sure you catch all the shows right throughout the week. Lock it onto ESPN.com.au, all the NBL on ESPN, of course. Boxing Day Hoops, that'll be on ESPN. Make sure you check that out. We've got The Jump. We've got Nothing But Net. We've got Olg's Notebook on the website coming out in just a couple of days. Uh, headline or Storyline next week as well. There's so much to keep up with. It's going to be a massive Christmas period. Stay safe, everyone. Olg's, you stay safe. I'll see you next week when I'm putting in the hard hours
1: on Christmas night. You're such a hero, Kane. Bye, everybody.